Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, it's me, the leftover Halloween candy you have. I know that I'm a guilty pleasure and you probably should eat me in moderation, but you know what you don't need to consume in moderation? Episodes of this podcast. Before we continue my first ever journey through the Harry Potter series, just a few quick announcements. First off, it is donation time. Here at Potterless each month, we pick a different charity and for each member of our team over at patreon.com slash Potterless, we donate $1 per member to that charity. And at the time of recording, we have 847 patrons, meaning we are giving $847 to the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation. I want to give a shout out to our patron Jean, who let me know that November is Crohn's and Colitis Awareness Month, and I think this is a great charity to support because I know a lot of friends who have Crohn's and Colitis, and it is tough to deal with, and not a lot of people know about this disease and its severity. And the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation is one of the best organizations to support. They're a nonprofit, volunteer-funded organization that is dedicated to finding cures for Crohn's disease and ulcerative colitis, and improving the quality of life of children and adults affected by these diseases. If you want to learn more about this foundation, you can go to Crohn's Colitis Foundation. That's C R O H. N-S-C-O-L-I-T-I-S foundation.org. And just a reminder that Potterless Rewind is continuing and it's been a fun time so far. Every Sunday we go on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter and talk about old episodes of Potterless. We're making our way through the book episodes of Potterless about seven or so at a time. And for this next installment on Sunday, November 8th, we will be talking about episodes 15 to 21. Just post about them wherever on social media. Tag me and use the hashtag hashtag Potterless Rewind and I'll share and respond and it'll be a whole wonderfully fun time in this digital podcast book club we've got going on. And speaking of a wonderful time, I want to give a shout out to some wonderful people, and those people are our new patrons. So shout out to Kayvon, Austin, Isabel Hayes, Katie Treffin, Tamara Tagakova, and Chaotic Creations. And a huge shout out to Taylor Roberts, who upgraded to the producer level status. And of course, a shout out to all of our existing producer level patrons. Vicky, Christine, Aaron, Clow, Marchismo, Samantha, Juan, Rosemary, Marie, Lisa, Romina, Audra, Elnor, Nikita, Rachel, Zachary, Alex, John, Noel, Claire, Rory, Veronica, Lada, Noah, Tracy, Colleen, Jennifer, Justin, Jacob, Maya, Mark, Polly, Zena, Hardlin, Noelia, Nikki, Kine, Amanda, Fear, Sarah, Marta, Maya, Flora, Georgia, Skyla, Adele, Professor Threat, Ellie, Michael, Kelly, Carrie, Connie, Jen, Nedry, Will, Marcos, Marik, Ashton, Brittany, Phelan, The Meadows Family, Ginny, Heather, Kevin, Lori, Jaro, Pita, Janin, Callahan, Leah, Melissa, Bella, Melanie, Becca, Reese, Adam, Joseph, Lily's mom, Madison, Tonk, Sabrina, Sophia, Farzan, Melanie, Matt, Okamahime, Boney Pony, Kelsey, Rike, Taylor, Megan, Riley, Laurel, Rossanne, Erica, Miranda, Landon, Kendra, Natanya, Yogan, Darcy, Sandra, Craig, Lior, Demi, Michelle, Callista, Jennifer, Henrique, Jeremy, Delkis, Katrina, Jerica, Casey, Megan, Sot, Jack, Sophia, Dane, Kirsty, Robin, Chick, Mermaid, Daddykins, Alaria, Lori, Gregory, Stan, Kaka, Nina, Ribbon, Brittany, Ashley, Ravenclaw, Gavin, Jack, Serenity, Emily, Haley, Sabrina, Sean, Jenna, Laura, Mazeltov, Eileen, Annette, Kristen, Hufflepuff, Brett, Hunter, Mary, Artemis, Trans People or People, Samantha, Tatiana, Nina, Steamed Nuggets, and Can't I Potter? Who are never fully convinced that their laundry cart definitely has enough money to do laundry in their building's laundry machines, but then when they get down and they do all their laundry, oh, what's this? There's not enough money in the cart. I gotta go back upstairs. Jeepers Creepers. If you wanna be like one of these amazing patrons and get access to bonus episodes, director's commentary, exclusive live streams, and more, you can head on over to patreon.com slash Potterless. But without further ado, let's get into episode 149 of Potterless, a very special interview, an interview sequel with some lovely members of Starkid and the Tin Can Bros. It's Lauren Lopez, Corey Lubowicz, and Brian Rosenthal. Hello. 
Hello, Internet, and welcome back to another episode of Potterless, the tale of a grown man who never read the Harry Potter series as a kid. He read them as an adult, and then he got emails every day for four consecutive years to watch a Harry Potter musical, and then he did. My name is Mike Schubert. I'm that grown man, and I'm here joined today by a trio of wonderful humans that you may recognize from a Harry Potter musical or their upcoming feature, Wayward Guide. It's Lauren Lopez, Brian Rosenthal, and Corey Libowich. Everyone, how is it going? It's hey, going. Good. It's great. Everyone speak at the same time, please. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Bring the chaotic energy. If all everyone talking at the same time, it'll be great. Yes. Did, is that real that for four years you were bombarded with people telling you to watch it? Just shy of it. I mean, I started the show in two days. It'll be four years from now. So wow. it's yeah, the podcast is almost four years old. But basically, ever since I started making comedic Harry Potter podcast, people are like, you know what you would like? Huh. Comedic Harry Potter thing that these people made. Yes. The best was it would either be like a Twitter DM or an Instagram DM or an email. And someone would always start it with, I'm sure a million people have already told you this, but. <laughs> <Of course. laughs> and that was every email. And it was great. Like I loved everyone being incredibly polite in there asking me to watch it. And then I watch it and they're very good. Genuinely, I enjoyed them. And I'm not just saying that. I'm so That's glad. That's the Star Kid fan base, passionate and polite. Yeah. They're <laughs> Which like, is fantastic. So, yeah. So considerate, but very fired up. <laughs> we heard that Jamie was on the podcast recently. Oh, yes, yeah. she she reached out. She shot me a DM on Instagram, which is the Hot. only good time, you know. <laughs> Someone slid into my DMs for professional reasons. Mm -hmm. And uh, we had a great talk, and it was wonderful. And I'm glad uh, you all were inspired to come on as well, because I have so many questions that I have asked to the ether out loud when I recorded them. So now having the team on to uh, clear things up. Makes me very happy. Oh. We'll do our best. Yeah. It has been 10 years and we are getting older and our memory is slipping, but we will do our best. Yes. Oh, it's all good. It's all good. So uh, I've got a whole bunch of very silly, very, uh, very serious, not silly questions to ask for all of you. So the the first of which I find something that is very fun with with musicals. I've seen this in music groups and also in plays that there's a lot of times where people will enjoy either singing a song that they're not in or if someone has a solo song, singing that solo song. For any of you, is there a particular role throughout the trilogy that you weren't in that you loved quoting or you loved singing songs from? Is there something like you ran around doing the Snape voice, anything like that, like a different role muscles you've always wanted to flex. Mm. The Snape voice actually just had a resurgence in our <gasps> tiny group. We were doing a sketch show earlier this year called Killer Guest, where we invite a guest on the show and then we kill them and oh. we have to parade their dead corpse around for the rest of the play. Cool. As one does. And it just in rehearsal that came up as just a fun joke. And Joe <laughs> Moses is very funny as Snape in the very <laughs> yeah. Potter shows. This is a hard question. We've gotten asked this question before and it's always hard for me to answer because any part that I think of that I'm like, ooh, I would I would love to play that, I think of who actually played it, and I go like, oh, there's no point. They already <laughs> did it the best it could be. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's hard. Everyone has such a distinct rendition of the characters that yeah. it's hard to see anyone else doing it. Yeah, even totally. Yourself. Totally. Like, I, because I was thinking, like, AJ's part in senior year. The Gilderoy? Yeah, Gilderoy. I'm like, that is the most fun role ever. But I'm like, AJ was so brilliant that I'm like, there's no point in me even trying that. Like, he just did it so well. That's how definitely I feel as someone who's mostly not on stage. Like, all of my friends are, like, the most talented people. Like, they did it so much better than, like, I ever could. Um, but my sort of, like, non-specific answer would be just to be in Days of Summer at the end of a Harry Potter sequel. Mm -hmm. 
The dance break? Yeah, well, the the song has like a very special place in my heart because we had sort of like, you know, very Potter musical camp. It was after the school year had ended. A bunch of people had come back to Michigan who had already graduated. And we sort of did this, what, 10-day, two-week boot camp. And that was like everyone, like the the actors, the musicians, like figuring that out. And uh, for that show, I designed the set and the costumes. And so me and like all the other members of my team, we were like pulling all nighters. It was like very much like a we're all in this together to get it done. And a bunch of people were graduating. So like the days of summer thing was sort of like, oh, like Mm. it felt like these are our like friends and like we'll we'll be back together sometime. But everyone is literally leaving after we finish this. And it has a like really awesome dance break that James Tolbert choreographed. <laughs> and then we all hung out for the next 10 years and nobody left. Yeah. Each other all the time. <laughs> Spoiler. Also, I would be remiss not to mention uh, Tyler Brunsman, I think is oh. very like under uh, appreciated, but his delivery as Lucius Malfoy, a lot of those lines oh, are good. very quotable and very funny to me. He's so funny. I loved it. There's so many great moments, but it's hard to top when he does the how dare you and gets lifted yes. up. Yeah. <laughs> it's just so it's fun. It's so good. Corey, you brought this up and I'm glad that you are finally here because I don't know exactly what you did on the production side, but the more I talk to people about A Very Potter Musical, I feel like I get more confused because people keep mentioning other stuff that you did. <laughs> so to so to clear it up, what did you do and is the answer everything? <laughs> well, yes and no. <laughs> I didn't actually work on the first Potter. Okay. Um, I was on the Basement Arts Board, the sort of student organization that produces sort of uh, free student directed and acted plays at the University of Michigan. So I was on the board. So I remember when like Matt Lang came in to pitch the show, then I was just in the audience for the first one for a midnight performance that got to be like 95 degrees and we're all sweaty, but having a great time on a Saturday night. (laughs) And then my first Star Kid show was me and my dick. And so I, I came on as the set designer for that one. Okay. Since then, I've done a lot of different things for StarKid. So for the sequel, I did I designed costumes and scenery. Also had a ton of uh, amazing help from associate designers Jun Saito and Yoni Dolshan. I designed the set for Starship and Holy Musical Batman, and I guess technically senior year because I designed the Leaky concept that year. So I have a background in scenery, but I've also produced a bunch of the Star Kid shows and the tours and yeah. <laughs> so a little bit of this, a little bit of that. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Melissa mentioned the set design work that you did for senior year specifically. And that was just really cool. I think senior year was my favorite of all. Wow. Of them. I thought it was great. I laughed the most. I just, man, you had already talked about it, but that Gilderoy Lockhart mouse prince monologue oh, is it's just, so good. <laughs> it's just so fun. It it's is. really solid. AJ is just also so stupidly talented. It's infuriating. <laughs> and the songs in that too, there's like the combination of Darren's songs, yeah. AJ's songs, and Clark and Pierce's mm-hmm. songs. So it's like such a culmination of the very Potter brand or whatever you'd call it. Yeah, that show is like, I had the reaction of like, really? Just because in my mind, that show is such a complete like bonkers whirlwind of like nonsense. Like slapdash. Yeah, that I like don't even remember what the actual show is because we were all just like running around like chickens with our heads cut off. But when I think about it, I'm like, there are so many good funny characters and jokes and songs in that show. But compared to like trying to remember 
you know, a very Potter sequel is like hard, like specific for lines because you go, I don't know, we performed that show for one weekend, like nine years ago. Yeah. But there was like rehearsal leading up to that. And with uh, senior year, because it was just all compressed into like three days at LeakyCon, it was just such a whirlwind blip. It's yeah. It's a big haze. <laughs> yeah, it's a perfect segue for one of the questions that I had here, which just in my notes I wrote, tell me about the hecticness of a very Potter senior year. Ah. So the more stories I hear about it, the more just absolutely ridiculous it sounds. And it just feels like I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall there. From all of your perspectives, like how absurd was it, especially with people coming in and then it kept changing and then it was table read and now Darren's here and just... Take us all back because it oh just God. feels like it's ripe for stories. Yeah. The the <laughs> downside of how ridiculous it was was that like I have very few memories of it. All I remember is being so tired and so hungry. Because <laughs> well, the hotel would like take the food away. <gasps> how dare they? You're like, lunchtime is over. Like they'd take the catering away. It's like, no, leave it, please. Yeah. And you'd be like in a rehearsal and then you'd come back and be like, wasn't there lunch? And they'd be like, no, they took it. And you're like, oh my God. Mm. So it was just like, like insanely long days. We all with the sleeping arrangements were really weird. Like we didn't have like set rooms or anything. Like people were kind of sleeping all over the place because we were there so late and then we had to be there so early the next day. And at that point, like Lauren, you and I were living in Chicago. So yeah. I think the assumption was we would go home. Right. Right. We didn't. <laughs> we didn't. I, there were three people in a bedroom, I think, in my bedroom. And I just remember we were coming, we'd come back at the end of the day so exhausted and the Olympics were on and we just decompressed <laughs> by watching the Olympics for three minutes before we just passed out. My clearest memory from the show, because it, it really just was like ridiculous. Like we were just running between like these few rooms that we kind of had designated as rehearsal areas and you'd be like okay I'm doing like scene work for like 45 minutes and then I have to run and like learn five new songs and then I have to run somewhere else and work on a group number so it was just chaos but what I remember about the show specifically is just that we weren't allowed to pee or eat for the whole like four and a half hours or however long (laughs) that show was because there were so many performers and we were all mic'd So they didn't have someone that was like muting people's mics once they were off stage. So they were like, you cannot make noise once you are off stage. So you couldn't pee and you couldn't eat. But that didn't stop someone from peeing. I don't remember who it was. I don't remember either. Yeah, that was like, would have been an impossible job even for someone who knew like the show. Because there were like 50 people. But in the defense of like, us thinking that would have been okay. We didn't know how long the show would be. We didn't ever run it before. There was no way to know how long the show would be. So that's true. (laughs) No one thought it was going to be four hours yeah i have three distinct memories learning everything ends in like a huge ballroom but there were no chairs for some reason so we all had to sit (laughs) on the floor doing kind of like a run of act one in a hallway somewhere like wasn't even in a room to be clear with nick as standing in for darren yes Yes, because darren wasn't there until like the day of wow right and then just weeping, everyone weeping afterwards out of both exhaustion and then just like the culmination of years weird, of- Weird, happy, sad years. Yeah. It was so weird. Yeah, I remember literally making my last exit as Draco, like doing my last scene as Draco and walking off the stage and just bursting into tears as soon as I cleared the stage because I was like, it was A, we were so tired. <laughs> so you're like automatically your emotions. Reiterate are this enough how, how tired, tired we, we were. were. <laughs> so you're like so tired. But then yeah, it was just this wild emotional, like it felt like the close of a of a chapter and there were like there's so many 
you know, there's relationships, there's friendships, there's like all these things kind of wrapped up into that time too. So it was just like very overwhelming for a lot of reasons. Yeah, I mean, I feel like that last song and when you see everyone making the line and hugging Harry slash Darren goodbye, you could tell there was more emotion than just, oh, we're saying goodbye to the character Harry Potter. Yeah. It was very much... We thought it was the last time we'd ever see Darren. Yeah, yeah. It felt like it. You could feel it. And I think that's another reason why I like senior year the most is from the perspective of the audience, because you can hear them so well and all of that, like, it felt the most immersive. Like, it felt the most like I was there. It felt like the emotions came through the most. And it felt just real. It felt really real for you all to be closing the chapter on this ridiculous ride that you never could have seen coming and yeah. now here it is and you're singing a song I do love that right off the bat the first song is like everything ends yeah, yeah. just like very straight up like this is it guy yes. by the time you're four hours in you're like huh is that a theme of the show yeah. <laughs> everything ends you know the first four hours they've been saying it but now in hour five I think it might be I think it's about to end subtext now it really sets in but that's what we thought we thought we're like we're not gonna be doing these kinds of shows anymore we're not going to be working together like if it truly felt like oh this is we're closing this chapter and we're all going to move on to the next thing we walked off the stage darren immediately got on his helicopter we immediately got on our greyhound buses which took us back to our respective cities yeah we were on the greyhound for three weeks to get back to our cities (laughs) it went uphill in the snow both ways to get back home yeah for sure exactly so when i talked with jamie lynn there was something fun that she mentioned in that in the first one just by happenstance, no real intentional decision. She wore yellow shoes as Ginny. And then that later became just like this canon thing of people when they wore cosplay would wear yellow shoes if they were dressing up as Ginny from a Harry Potter musical. Were there any things that any of you did that was just like an accidental, oh, it happened to be something I did in the first one that later on became like, oh, this is canon. Like, this is part of Draco. This is part of Coral now. That's a really interesting question. question. Yeah. I find like a lot of times when you don't know something's going to have any success, like like a lot of that stuff is like slapdash, like, you know, you don't really think about it. And then it ends up having this life of its own. And you can kind of just like reverse engineer how it fits into everything. I think Walker and I, once we got done with the first show, we were like, thank God, we never have to wear that robe ever again (laughs) with like the double robe or it's like we're choking ourselves out. And then like we just continued to wear it. We joked about um, putting Joe on Heelys so that it would be easier if I could actually just drag him, but that never came to fruition. Oh, Maybe man. it just wasn't in the, the $100 budget that we produced the first show on. <laughs> that robe was also, I think, pulled from the uh, Michigan costume department stock and like maybe embellished a little bit. I can't remember. At one point, like we were able to like pull some of those like pieces we pulled again for later use. Or maybe we, I think we bought some of them from the university at one point. But other ones, like the coral robe specifically, I know the next time we needed it, it no longer existed. Oh, like damn. it had been altered by the costume stock and had had to be rebuilt from new. Ugh. I think Dumbledore's hat also like got lost to the like universe and had to get like remade in like the image of the original one that was whatever we had lying around. <laughs> uh-huh, right. Uh, yeah, Brian, one of the questions that I had was, tell me about just being strapped to Joe Walker in the first one, because <laughs> it just felt like oh, I loved so much in the first one, just the Coral Voldemort dynamic of taking these two villain characters and then making them humanizing them and then also basically turning it into a rom-com yes just being strapped underneath doing all of that having him lay down on you how was all of that (laughs) i remember when uh, the cast list came out which i think is buried somewhere in my in my email 
it came out and said Brian will be playing Quirrell. And then in uh, parentheses, it was like, don't worry, it's a big part, which is such a <laughs> funny thing to add. <laughs> Just because at the time we were like, is this, like we didn't realize it was gonna be an amalgamation of all the shows. There wasn't a script. There wasn't a script, but at first you were just like, okay, this guy, spoiler alert, dies right away. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, it's a big part. That's great. But anyway, I, I was friendly with Joe because our acting program was very small, but uh, doing that role really bonded us. Literally um, and figuratively. Because he was like a couple years older than me. And, you know, when you're in college, three years seems like a lifetime. Whereas as an adult, if you are within 10 years of someone, you're like, we're the same age. <laughs> but so we really just got to bond by just physically, literally being in the same space and just being strapped to each other's backs. Both of you are just such physical actors, too. That mm -hmm. physical comedy is so funny. Yeah, it's great. Thank you. you. You both really commit to it. Lauren, do you have some more comments? compliments for me too um uh <laughs> shit uh yeah um yeah, the performance you, was shit okay you yeah. uh <laughs> you looked like you were having a lot of fun up there yeah the lighting was really good i only caught the end of the show but it was really great yeah <laughs> <laughs> but it was it was fun it was difficult it was physically very difficult to be back to back and do the bit where we i like lay on him and we're turning around oh. but we're both like Corey said we both love like silly physical humor so much that i think we were both so tickled by how it would look that we kind of just were like, doesn't matter how much it hurts, <laughs> we've got to do this. You're both performers that will commit 100% to something. It's that clown sensibility. Yes, yes. Yeah, there, there is a funny story that during one of, the, one of the scenes, Joe and I were the only people backstage at Studio One for a Harry Potter musical. And suddenly a trash can on fire uh, outside suddenly caught fire. Oh, that's cool. right. And we that's weren't right. back to back at the time. I think it was act two when he's like full Voldemort or whatever, and I'm in my my little dress, my prison dress. And uh, I, I just remember like him having to run out there with the uh, the fire extinguisher. And then we immediately just had to walk back on stage and just get back into the, the silliness of it. I totally forgot about how he went out in his Voldemort costume and makeup and extinguished that fire. I totally forgot about that. Wow. Fun. <laughs> fun, fun times, live theater, you know? That's ridiculous i mean there is always the saying that theater is just putting out fires but literally, literally yeah put out fires <laughs> lauren there's a question i wanted to ask you about draco because i love the draco character Thank specifically you. the flopping and the flailing uh -huh. about is just mwah. thank you is that something you had prior that you brought to the character was it written in the script like draco likes to flop about <laughs> Did you practice it? Like, how did all of that develop? Because it just became this larger-than-life aspect of the character. Yeah. And, like, why does Draco do it? Okay, Corey, <laughs> you can shut up. All right, can we turn off Corey's mic? Can we do that? Uh, so it wasn't written in the script. It was so, you know, also, like most Star Kid shows, the, the rehearsal process for the show was very short, especially when you remember that, like, the show ended up being, like, three hours long. It was just... And, like, everyone was in school. Yeah, and we were all in school full-time. So it's not like, you know, it, it wasn't a, a rehearsal process where you could really like explore the character and like really, it all kind of happened very fast where like I had one, Matt Lang and I went into an empty classroom one night in the theater building. It was like our first meeting, I think, to talk about Draco. He was like, what do you think? And so we just started like playing around in the room and I was just like, I think he like prances around a lot, you know, it was really like cocky. And so we were doing that and then, you know, because we never really ran the show until opening night, a lot of people were just like trying new things 
in the show without like and that the the flailing around in the role like all that stuff was kind of spur of the moment where it was just like I'm gonna take this kind of like prancy posy thing that he has where he tries to be so so superior to everyone and I'm gonna just like take it to like the hundredth degree and so I was like I'm not only gonna just like prance around but I'm gonna play this idea that he wants to pose he wants to look cool but he doesn't know how to control his body so it just keeps going until he finally comes into a position where he thinks he looks cool. <laughs> um, so that's a big rambly answer. But essentially, it, it wasn't written in the script. It came about kind of out of like a very superficial thing that we had discussed. And it just kind of went from there. When Matt and Nick write scripts, they do have stage directions in there. But a lot of them are jokes. Like impossible to do they're like really funny actually yeah they'll be like with one bounce he exits stage like it's a cartoon <laughs> character just going like boing and just like bouncing off stage <laughs> yeah or like voldemort catches fire joe walker dies <laughs> yeah <laughs> so i think there's a lot of that but then also like live audience you're like reacting to the audience too totally but then like we were saying earlier i think like Matt and Nick and everyone sort of latched onto that and went, okay, and like expanded on that in the sequel. And that's sort of where, where Lucius ended up being yes. the way he was. Yes. It's sort of just like, he goes, yep, that's it. Let's, what's the next evolution of that? Totally. I think also when you're on stage with so many funny people, like the members of Starkid are still some of the, like the best and funniest people I know. Like who? Names. We need names. Uh, no one here, but there are a few people. I got to think about it. Maybe I'll, I'll email. We'll put it in the show notes. Uh, um, I don't think you have that power, Brian. I'm just slowly trying to commandeer this podcast. Listen, you, you didn't know about Harry Potter. Now you know more about Harry Potter than we know. Don't you think it's time, Mike, to hang up the, the mic and just... No. All right. All right, Brian. I don't even remember what I was saying. Oh, you're just surrounded by so many funny people that like, even if you're like in the back, like everyone's chewing scenery in just like the funniest way and you're simultaneously trying to one up each other but also like everyone's going so hard that it doesn't upstage the other person does that make sense mm -hmm. i also feel like especially with those shows because there was such again like such a ridiculous energy around them they were so thrown together there was so much adrenaline like there we were there to like have a funny weird time that there was also an element where like we were just trying to make each other break too like you're always trying to make the other people laugh on stage we were just all going hard but also enjoying the fact that like other people on stage might think it's funny too. Lauren's never broken on stage, famously. Never, famously never. <laughs> never, I'm a professional. <laughs> I get paid to do this. <laughs> Speaking of getting paid to do this, hi, it's me editing Mike. How's it going, everyone? Mike, we get paid to do podcasting and the way that we get paid to do that is with sponsorships. So because of that, we got to take a little bit of a break for Wingardium Madridosa. Today's episode of Potterless is brought to you by Function of Beauty. Let's say hypothetically that you are Joe Walker playing Voldemort in the A Very Potter trilogy, and you've got to put a bunch of gel in your hair to get that sweet, slicked back look. But when the play's over, you want your hair to be revitalized and rejuvenated. What are you going to do to make your hair look great? Use Function of Beauty. Function of Beauty is hair care that is formulated specifically for you. No matter what your hair type, they create shampoo, conditioner, and treatments to fit your unique needs. Now, I know what you're going to say. How unique could they truly get? Well, Function of Beauty has over 54 
trillion, with a T, possible ingredient combinations to make your formula as unique as you. I have thoroughly loved the Function of Beauty shampoo and conditioner and body lotion and body wash that I have used from them. Makes my hair feel great, makes my body feel great, makes every part of me feel moisturized, which is especially important now that the winter is coming up and I am getting drier in all different parts of my body, so Function of Beauty is keeping me fresh and hydrated in the skin and hair department. The whole process is very simple. First, you take a quick but thorough quiz and tell Function of Beauty a little bit about your hair. Then they deliver your personalized formula right to you in a cute customized bottle with your name on it. And also when you're designing your formula, you get to pick the color and the fragrance and you can pick different colors and different fragrances for all your different products. What's also great is their formulas are vegan and cruelty free. They never use sulfates, parabens, or any other harmful ingredients. You all know I take my hair very seriously and Function of Beauty takes it very seriously and teaming up together, I have some seriously good hair. So what are you waiting for? Go to functionofbeauty.com slash potterless to take your four part hair profile quiz and save 20% on your first order. Go to functionofbeauty.com slash potterless for 20% off and let them know that you heard about it from our show. It helps. Again, that's functionofbeauty.com slash potterless so you can make sure your hair looks absolutely fantastic after you're a very potter run as Voldemort today. And now you'll hear words from a few sponsors who make it feasible for me to be a full-time podcaster. Some of these ads will be read by me, others of them won't. The ones that aren't are inserted locally, so if you live internationally, don't be surprised if you hear an ad in your country's native language. And once those ads are complete, we'll get back to this episode of Potterless. This episode of Potterless is brought to you by Arena Club. Now, if you listen to this podcast, it should be no secret that I am both a sports nerd and more of a traditional nerd. And when you think of these two types of nerddom, there's one thing that links them together, and that is card collecting. Whether you are looking to buy, trade, sell, or display a card collection of sports cards or Pokemon cards, you should check out Arena Club. ArenaClub.com is the place where you can do all of these things. I have recently made a purchase on the marketplace. I got Lieutenant Surge's Raichu, which is my favorite Pokemon, and I didn't even know that there was a Lieutenant Surge version of the Raichu. So that is a card that I now have, and it's not just some digital thing. I can have this card physically mailed to me. So there's a bunch cool stuff you can do with Arena Club, including their slab packs. If you have ever done any sort of card collecting, you know that ripping packs or repacks can be a zero transparency type of thing where you're just hoping you get some sort of cool card. But what's nice about the slab packs with Arena Club is that you have full transparency. You see what available cards are there, what your percentage of getting them is, what the gradings are. So it is not a complete black box. You're going into this knowing what cards you might get. And I've been using Arena Club and it's pretty cool. It's very easy for me to look up different cards. I can favorite them, see what I want. And then whenever I want them shipped to me, I can get them shipped to me. And then I'll have the physical versions of them. Right now, you can right get 10% off get, your first purchase right now, by going to arenaclub.com slash potterclub.com. Wow, that is a wild offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack is 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash potterless for 10% off your first purchase. That's a wild offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack is 40 bucks right there. Anyways, whether you're a sports nerd or Pokemon nerd or all sorts of nerds like me, you can use Arena Club today. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.
So, Brian, in addition to being Coral, you also played the role of Seamus, who is traditionally Irish, but when you played him, became a Cockney British-sounding boy. Was this an intentional choice? Did it just kind of happen? Was it something decided outside of you? How did Cockney Seamus get birthed? It was intentional. I can't remember who it came from. Uh, It was similar to Lauren's story about just workshopping uh, the part with Matt Lang, where the rehearsal process was so like regimented, like be learning music, and then you'd have a half hour with Nick and Matt to kind of work on scene work. And I remember working on that that first monologue about like the it clown and Flitwick's little brother. Oh yeah. They directed it so specifically, so they had such a clear vision for Seamus that I remember just taking what they said very literally, and because I found it super funny, and I, I think it came from. Nick and Matt that they just wanted him to be Cockney and just sort of like disregard <laughs> the uh, the actual the actual books. I mean, all the main characters just have American accents. <laughs> yeah, I know it's great. And then it just got, especially by the time we get to senior year, the accent just gets so ridiculous <laughs> and over the top, which was really fun. I think it is really fun, and I think it's something that makes the A Very Potter musical so fun is that it wasn't just you guys pretending to be the actors from the movies. Right. The voice used for Snape isn't just an Alan Rickman impression. The Draco voice is this distinct, not necessarily trying to do a Tom Felton impression. Yeah, and Dumbledore, who has like a kind of Brooklyn accent. Oh, yeah. Like an old Jewish man. (laughs) Yeah, he's an old Jewish man. Was that something intentionally you guys were making this? Because you were making this while the movies were still coming out. So was it a particular thing of trying to distinguish from the movies or was it just you all taking creative liberties with your characters and just having fun with it? I feel like Nick and Matt probably initially were like, we don't want you three to have accents, or or I feel like that ha- that had to be established at some point because it seems like something that they would think is funny. Like you just just talk like Darren, just like not like, try, you yeah. just talk like yourself. <laughs> I think they kind of chose each character and then just chose like one thread and like pulled it, whether that was like more true to the movies or the books, or it was like everything happens for Harry. Like, wouldn't he just be like so much more cocky and cavalier and just (laughs) keep pulling that until it just becomes this like larger than life character. Right. I also love changing courses a bit. How much a role candy and chocolate plays throughout At least the first two plays distinctly. (laughs) Jamie Lynn clarified the giant Hershey bar for me last time, but I've heard conflicting reports. The Red Vine situation, I heard there was a giant truck involved. I heard there was Red Vine representatives involved. (laughs) What happened? We can't (laughs) talk about that legally. (laughs) (laughs) Wasn't the Red Vines thing, was that like the head of... Mr. Red Vines? Jim Red Vines, yes. Jim, yeah. My recollection is that for when we were doing the sequel, I think it was like the head of Red Vines marketing or something. Like his, I think his daughter was a, yes. a fan of the original, like the, the Very Potter musical. And they reached out and they just sent us a box of candy. Because <laughs> it wasn't just Red Vines. There was like nerds and like licorice rope, like a bunch of different candy. Oh. Matt and Nick thought it would be like really funny to like put it in the show and like plug it as if we were sponsored, but like we weren't, they didn't pay us any money. <laughs> They just sent us a box of candy. And then it led to a real sponsorship, right? I feel like someone had mentioned you did YouTube ads for them. Yeah. Yeah. Colonel R. Vines. Those tasty test videos with uh, Joe Walker and Joey. Yes. That they did where it was like, Red Vines, what can't they do? And they did like scientific experiments. And I (laughs) made them those like 
weird lab coats. Yes, it's so random. Oh my gosh. There was a truck at one point, <laughs> and it was during Starship. <gasps> oh. They sent us just like red vines to give out at the show. Wow. But they sent a pallet of red vines. Jeez. That's so many. With a liftgate truck in Chicago on that one-way street, they like stopped in front of Nick and Matt's apartment and they had to like load out unload this like pallet of candy <laughs> then we had to schlep it to the theater and then as people were leaving we're like please take this candy we're like shoving red vines in everyone's hands so there was a truck but it was a separate thing got it got it okay it's good to have the clarity now this is something that became divisive on Potterless, where i think red vines are very bad are you all red vines fans or are you not fans i feel like they are gross I agree. I'm not a fan. Okay. <laughs> I'm not a candy person in general. I am. Joey loved candy, but I'm not a candy person. Yeah, Joey loved candy, but... I grew up on Twizzlers, but I do not find Red Vines repulsive, but Twizzlers Pull and Peel is better than both of them. Oh, Twizzlers Pull and Peel is very good. I mm. So this this my hot take on this angered the licorice community, which let me just say is apparently very large in the podcast space. And I wow. had someone mail me Australian soft chewing licorice which basically tastes very similar to Twizzlers Pull and Peel and it's actually very good. Yum. Yeah, like good chewing licorice is great. I like black licorice. Oh. Just give me a string cheese and call it a day. <laughs> oh, string correct cheese. answer. <laughs> Seven years Just old. Just give me some string cheese and raisins. <laughs> I'm imagining you you still make the little peanut butter boats with yes. like celery or what's it like ants on a log? Ants on a take log. Like... <laughs> Classic. Hey, I still eat a peanut butter and jelly sandwich like every day at three o'clock as a snack. So That's I'm still so nice. eight years old. <laughs> Good for you. You know, I'm just trying to just trying to stay young at heart by eating peanut butter and jelly sandwiches on the reg. That's beautiful. <laughs> I feel you. So as far as the whole experience of a Very Potter musical. Obviously, as you have mentioned, this is something that you didn't plan on blowing up like it did. It was something that was just this college play that grew into so much more. And I think what's especially interesting is that it came to be this big thing on YouTube while YouTube was getting big. So for all of you, just to be a part of something that was growing so rapidly, what was that whole experience like of of this thing that just felt like, ah, yeah, this was fun. We did it for two weekends. That's going to be it. And now it's like, oh, wow, this is so much more. Being a part of that, what was all of that like? It was wild. I actually do, for all the stuff I do not remember, I do remember very vividly the summer after we had put that show online. I was still at school and it was just like, it was... Yeah, it was one of those things where, like, at that point, like, a viral video wasn't even, like, I would not have even, I think, known what that was. That was, like, never anyone's intention. And so putting it up and then having the the view count keep going up, we all were, like, texting and, like, oh, my God, can you believe this? Like, every day we were watching <laughs> it and see what happens. But I also remember being, like, this is so exciting. But also I, I expected to, it to peter out at any point. I was like, yeah, th this is so, like, it was so exciting. But I was like, okay, this is going to be like a flash in the pan thing. Like, people are going to forget about it. And then it just kept growing. It was really wild. That was, like, when a lot of us got on Twitter, too. Like, when Twitter was fun. <laughs> I feel like that also was, like, around that time that sort of social media w was growing. And it was like, oh, my God, you can, like, talk to people. And there was, like, a conversation. And it was, like, exciting uh, so that you're not just like checking the view count, but also like people are like tweeting at you. And that was like a cool thing and not a 
nightmare doom scroll scenario. The video got really big, but then we still kind of all went along our biz like about our business. Like I moved to New York, people like moved after they graduated, like the summer was over and pe- we all just qu- kind of were like that was fun and then just kind of parted ways. And then I feel like the moment when it really hit was when we went to our first convention. And there were so many people. To debut the sequel. Right, to do the sequel. Well, also, there was a huge turnout for the sequel in person. And then we went to that convention, and that was when it really sunk in, where I was like, oh, I guess this is really a thing. Because up until then, it had just been on the internet, which I personally, like, I'm like, it doesn't, it's not real, it's the internet. Like, it didn't really, like... (laughs) It didn't seem real to me. So that was that was truly, that was something else. Yeah. I mean, it's something so great to see. And I think what's also great is that you all, as Starkid and now with Tin Canbros and everything you are all continuing to do, you've grown and ridden that momentum and started to do new things. And you can just see from the first to the second to the third, just the plays of a very Potter musical just get more ambitious. And then now, moving on, you're doing even more ambitious things like Wayward Guide. Ho ho! Uh-huh. What a segue! Bang, oh. boom, whoop, yeet! Look so, at that. do you want to tell everyone exactly what that is? I know that it's more complicated than just a standard, like, we made a short video series and it's on the internet. What all has gone into that? Because I I love the growth. I love seeing where you all have come from and where you're at now. Yeah. I mean, as you said, it's been like like the greatest lesson of Starkid has almost been like this DIY mentality. Not waiting for someone else to give you permission. And continuing to scale up and just be like, let's do things we didn't even know were possible and just get into hot water and get out of it and et cetera, et cetera. So Corey and then Joey, who played Ron and myself, started making stuff together about six years ago when Corey moved to LA and the main Starkid company was still in Chicago. And we started by making sketches and then progressed to making our own plays and shorts and now a 10-part web series with um, an 11-part podcast, which features many of our Starkid friends. Because when we were like doing our new big project, the biggest that like we've ever done, we were like, we only want the best. And Truly, our friends are some of the the best and funniest performers. So we wanted to get... We're going to need names. Yeah, we're not going to give names on this, but no one here, okay, Lauren? No one here. Check the show notes later, okay? You heard me. We love working with our friends. And part of Wayward Guide, too, was like, let's bring in these other people we've met over the years from conventions and like the online community. And like, let's bring in Sean Astin, who we met at a convention in Chicago, and Titus Macon from who we met when Darren was on Glee. And it's just become this whole family. Yeah. And uh, so Wayward Guide is uh, it's a story that follows these two podcasters that are uh, these twin podcast hosts, as they go to investigate sort of a small town, just sort of very This American Life, Serial, or like S-Town, if you listen to any of those shows. And so they're just sort of digging into small town life, your run-of-the-mill sort of like local like politics and things. And then they discover that the town has a secret w- race of werewolves living among them. And so they have to like get down to it and figure out like, what's going on here and what's what's the deal with this sort of paranormal mystery so and we were inspired by like goofy characters like we love christopher guest movies like we love the idea of like this ensemble of larger than life people in a sort of like grounded situation how are they going to react in like a horror movie for instance in wayward guide and then because artemis and paul are podcasters we were like we need to be able to hear the podcast that they're making in the show so this summer during lockdown we uh 
got everyone to record from around the country and we made this podcast. So it's like as if Artemis and Paul, after the series ends, went back to Los Angeles and made this podcast. And by listening to them in tandem, you can kind of uh, get more of the world. We get to spend more time with these goofy characters, um, see just uh, a different side of things. And they both sort of stand on their own. You can like watch the the series on YouTube and sort of have a complete experience there. But you could also like, listen to the podcast on its own and it, it has its own sort of arc a la Serial or S-Town and enjoy it. But when you sort of watch and listen to both of them, you can sort of connect the dots where some things are sort of overlap or some things were, are omitted by Artemis and Paul sort of editorial decisions as they make the podcast and sort of what that says about the mystery and where we're sort of headed. And Lauren plays Agnes Florentine, the the town's travel agent. Uh-oh. And uh, <laughs> speaking of accents, there is a huge range of nonsensical accents in this show. Um, I know the plot we described is sounds very serious, but also it's Pretty silly. I, I would imagine. Yeah. And every person who lives in this town is is real kooky. They're real bad at what they do. Everyone's bad at <laughs> what they do. It's very sweet. I mean, Lauren plays a travel agent. Yeah. Why? Why do we need those? Because it's like a small town, you know? I feel like they just got internet. So they like <laughs> needed a travel agent, you know? They got their first AOL online disc. Yes. And they've popped it in and they're figuring it out. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, there's lots of references uh, to fax machines and pay phones throughout, mm-hmm. this, um, yeah. throughout yeah. this series. It's very unclear like what era any of them live in this town. Uh, They're each in their own decade and also their own regional area. Yeah. They're just all on their own planet. We got Brooklyn accents. We got like sort of Minnesotan. We got Southern. Yeah. There's a whole smorgasbord. It's very much like Brian said, that sort of Christopher Guest characters. You sort of like throw that in the pot with like a little Twin Peaks and like Pushing Daisies, a series of unfortunate events, how those are sort of like weird, like out of time things and you shake that all up. And light it on fire and that's why we're dead. (laughs) (laughs) Just burn it, burn to the ground. (laughs) Just burn it to the ground. It's great. It's a great series. I've seen the whole thing many times (laughs) and it was so fun to be a part of. And we just released the first episode on Monday. Yes. Is it coming out every week? Is it going to be a Netflix big drop? What's the sitch? So the series is coming out every um, Tuesday on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash tincanbros. And then every Friday, the podcast is coming out wherever you get your podcasts. Cool. Which of the many accents are you rocking in this particular production, Lauren? I have, uh, well, it's like it's like Southern light. Okay. It's like okay. there are there are words that I say that have a nice Southern twang, and then there's some words that are just like not. <laughs> in my mind, ags like, grew up in the south or like or maybe didn't even grow up in the south but like her her husband who's well yeah, whatever <laughs> i won't give anything away but um <laughs> her husband was like southern and she just lived with him for so long that she took on the accent mm. or i like thinking that she just heard it and thought it sounded nice 
and went, I'm going to start talking like that and just started talking like that, but isn't like really good at it. So it's kind of muddled. She's like a pseudo um, cosmopolitan, too. So I could totally yeah. see her seeing something on TV and then just suddenly adapting it and making it her own. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. She doesn't like have the accent from like her upbringing. It's more like she put it on like a costume. She also talks a mile a minute. We wrote oh, Lauren. So many words. Um, so many. We love to write Lauren monologues, and Lauren loves memorizing them. I know it. It's I know it's true. It's a joy. She keeps doing them well, so like we have no choice but to keep giving them to her. Yeah, I have to just like fuck up one really bad, and then you'll stop. Yeah, and then we'll stop. But okay. she just like rambles because Ags is very much a, a talk first, think later. Mm-hmm. So she just goes on and on. And she's, I feel like she's just really excited about a lot of things in life. So it's like she can't help but just like want to tell you about everything. She uh, has an opinion on everything. Yeah. Like has strong feelings. She's not a neutral person on anything. Right, right. (laughs) Okay, good. I like that. I can see a lot of kinship in that because I already as a person don't like to take, like sitting on the fence is very boring and uncomfortable. So you might as well pick a side. Yes. And then that only gets ramped up to 11 when I'm hosting a podcast and it's way more fun to pick a side than be like, well, if you think about the new of this discussion like no we're just picking snape sucks that's it boom case closed like i don't have to totally but then agnes also again she wants to be like fit in and be like this cosmopolitan so also will just completely flip when she changes Ah. her mind yeah she doesn't need to like stick to her opinion like she has the opinion but then if someone else is like actually it's this she'll be like oh right yeah of course yeah and she'll just like switch (laughs) i love her i think we've written into a couple things but we find it so funny when in like speaking someone just like does a full 180 and just (laughs) convinces themselves that the other thing is true i just find that so funny it's really fun oh man it sounds really fun well that sounds like a wonderful production i'm excited to check it out I'm excited to check it out. I will be checking it out. And I'm not just saying that. But again, if everyone wants to find that, where can they do so? What are what again is the the YouTube channel and the name that people would type to find the podcast? Um, so my Venmo is so what you have to do first is actually Venmo me a hundred dollars and then I'll send the link to you. Okay. Don't cut that. Don't you dare cut that out. <laughs> I'll put a bleep just over part of the Venmo so that okay. people will be like, what is it? <laughs> <laughs> Great. But for real, you can, uh, <laughs> the one link you can go, if you go to wherewegetshow.com, has all of the links if you just want one link. Perfect. And we've got a bunch of star kid folk in it. We got Corey Doris, AJ Holmes, Carlos Valdez, also Dylan Saunders. Oh, yes, of course. And Nick Lang, a rare on screen appearance mm. by Nick Lang. You mm-hmm. love to see it. Rarely acts, but is like one of the funniest performers. He's so good. He's so fun to watch. When he unveiled Mama Umbridge, it was one of the hardest God, I've yes. ever laughed in my entire life. Gosh. Oh, man. Well, that sounds like a good time. I'm excited again to check it out. And thank you all so much for coming on the pod and talking and reminiscing on the memories of yesteryear with a very Potter everything. And I'm sure everyone got a big kick out of it as I did. And And uh, I'm excited to see Wayward Guide and also where you guys continue to go beyond this. It's inspiring to see how much you guys have done ever since the first Very Potter. And uh, I'm just excited to see where you all grow from here. It's been fun. And I'm glad I got to meet all of you as well. Thank you for having us. Thanks. Yeah. We just 
keep thinking it's all going to end and uh, it, never it turns does. out to keep going. Yeah. Thanks, Mike. And if you ever need someone to take over this podcast <laughs> who would not do a good job, I'm, I'm your guy. <laughs> yeah. You know, maybe this could this podcast could be like the Batman mantle where, you know, eventually I have to pass the mask along to you. And, uh, you know, you said you forgot a bunch of the Harry Potter stuff. So it could then turn into you relearning everything. Yeah, and that's a good uh, idea. you start at the beginning and now you remember everything, Harry Potter. Oh, time. <laughs> It's a flat circle. <laughs> yep. Everything's pretend and nothing matters. But thank you all again so much for joining. Listeners, thanks for listening. And as they say in the wizarding world of Harry Potter, they definitely say this all the time. And we round out every episode of the podcast by saying this. Wizard on. Oh. Abracadabra. <laughs> I love that. With Halloween over, the holidays are right around the corner, and Head Heart Gut has some Halloween-themed debates for you. Head Heart Gut is our exclusive podcast for multi-crew members, where we have friendly debates. Me, Eric Schneider, and Julia Schifini just argued what is the best Christmas carol ghost, and I did very well. And the current debate is about what's the best holiday dish. If you want to hear these debates, as well as every other Head Heart Gut debate that has taken place, you can go to multicrew.club and join the multi-crew and listen to all the episodes today. Potterless was created by Mick Schubert. It is hosted by Mick Schubert. It is edited by Mick Schubert. It is produced by Mick Schubert as well as Vicky Garcia, Christine, Aaron Johnson, Klaus, Sir Lopu, Marchismo, Samantha Rose, Juan Sanfilio, Rosemary, Dodge, Marie, Lisa C. Keen, Romina Rivadinier, Audra, Eleanor Curlin, Nikita Power, Rachel Guthrie, Zachary Pulido, Alex Consilver, John Cocker, Noel Basile, Claire Spencer, Rory Collier, Veronica Bartova, Lada Bartova, Noah, Tracy Toya, Colleen, Jennifer Mark, Lou Justin Montero, Jacob Parrish, Maya Gray, Mark Body, Polly Burge, Zena Resnowski, Harlan Haskins, Noelia, Nikki Harris, Kine, Amanda Alford, Kafir Shaltiel, Sarah Shetter, Marta Morrison, Maya, Flor Sake, Georgia Davis, Sky Lily, Adele Ryan, Professor Threat, Ellie Haskovchova, Michael David Yordi, Kelly Otilio, Kerry Crumpler, Connie Bienkowski, Jen Went, Nedry OS, Will Huser, Marco Cepeda, Marie Rieger, Ashton Gabrielson, Brittany Gutierrez, Fail on the Meadows Family, Ginny from the Block, Heather Langeal, Kevin Stewart, Laurie McDonald, Jarl Sviven, Peter McGrath, Jan and Rose Dab, Callahan and Darius, Leah Reed, Melissa Rab, Bella Barlack, Melanie Demi, Becca Spry, Reese Dignan, Adam Graham, Joseph Torp, Lily's Mom, Madison, Don't Call Me an Infidora, Sabrina Balsiger, Sophia Loves Pigs, Farzan Sharabat, Melanie Zuhreif, Matt Barger, Okamahime, Bony Pony, Kelsey Gillespie, Rike Mangor Jensen, Taylor Payne, Megan Moon, Riley Kitas, Laurel Happy, Rossanne Batamana, Erica Butler, Miranda, Landon Schwausch, Kendra Hertz, Natanya Page, Yogan Shanley, Darcy Alexandra Harrison, Sandra Rose, Craig McRoberts, Leor Nachum, Demi Lynn, Michelle Spurgeon, Calista Delano, Jennifer Terzi, and Henrique Wolf, Jeremy Elmore, Delkis, Katrina Smith, Jericho Law, Casey Canales, Megan Stempen, Zat, Jack Skitzes, Sophia Lyon, Dane Nemcher, Kirsty, Robin Garcia, Chick Parm, Mermaid and her Daddykins, Alaria Vicentin, Lori, Gregory Hughes, The Real Stan Chun, Pike, Caw Caw, Mother Feathers, Nina Jazalik, Ribbon Monstrosity, Brittany Harper, Ashley Summers, Your Friendly Neighborhood, Ravenclaw, Gavin Miller, Jack Parr, Serenity, Allen, Emily Quinlan, Haley Hastings, Sabrina Casanova, Sean Allen, Jenny Browers, Laura Mazel Hila, Eileen Gazesh, Annette Pipitone, Kirsten R. Cunningham, Hufflepuff alumni, Brett Clausen, Hunter Gordon, Mary Price, Artemis, Trans People or People, Samantha McNamara, Nina Campley, Tatiana Schmidtova, Taylor Roberts, Steamed Nuggets, and Can't Potter. Web designed by Kelly Schubert, and the music is by Bettina Campamanas. If you want to find us on social media, you can at facebook.com slash potterless, twitter.com slash potterless pod, instagram.com slash potterless podcast, and reddit.com slash r slash potterless. For any and all information about the show, you can go to potterlesspodcast.com. Transcripts are there as well. If you want to find bonus content, you can go to patreon.com slash potterless and merch lives at potterlesspodcast.com slash merch. If you want to tell someone about the show, you think of someone that would like it, you recommend it to them, you could do that directly, or you could leave a rating interview online or talk about it on social media. All of these things help. And if you choose to do any of them, I will very much appreciate it. Thanks again for listening. And until next time, as they say in the wizarding world of Harry Potter, wizard on. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. 
In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.